Hello, and welcome to Rough Edges. I'm your host, Sarah Fox. In this podcast, I will guide you through my faith and mental health journey to dispel the stigma surrounding mental illness and to create a voice for those who wish to discover more about these topics. This podcast will not only shed light on mental health issues, but will also reveal the intersection between faith and mental illness. I pray that these themes will bring growth and healing to our communities. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Rough Edges. Today, I am here with William Sinyard, and he is going to be talking about relationships and mental health. So, Dr. Bill Sinyard is a husband, parent, and grandparent. He is also a pastor for over 25 years. He's also a conference speaker, podcaster, and author of over 15 books and workbooks. Founder of the Gospel App miniseries, which can be found at www.gospel-app.com. He's also the creator of three online gospel immersion trainings for Christians. The first one is The Dance, which can be found at www.thedance.org. And it's for Christians who struggle with shame, falling short of expectations, loneliness, or depression. This one includes those who believe that they have messed it up with God. There are seven online stations under two hours. The next one is The Forgiving Path, which can be found at www.forgivingpath.com. And it's for Christians who have suffered an injustice that they can't get free from. And it's something that seems impossible to forgive. The Forgiving Path is a nine-station, two-and-a-half-hour online journey that has helped over 1,000 Christians begin to forgive. Lastly, there is the newest online training for Christian parents of teens and tweens called Good Enough Parent. Good Enough is a technical term used by attachment theorists who say that if a parent, caretaker, or guardian can attune with their child, In at least three out of ten of their interactions, their child will enter their next stage of emotional growth more secure and happy. So I want to welcome Bill with us today. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Sarah. We're not going to have any time after the introduction to chat. No problem. So, Bill, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Like, what are three things that you can't live without and why? Oh, oh my goodness. I saw that question. So that's a hard one because I'm thinking I could pretty much live with just without just about anything. But I had a uh, I had a heart failure last year and I'm thinking my heart and a healthy heart is is pretty important. Uh, I'm great now, by the way, but it was it was sort of a surprise. I'm 65. I figured I'd be. 105 before I had a heart failure, but, mm. uh, but family's important. You know, the stuff that I do, the gospel is important. And I don't mean just being saved. That's great. Don't get me wrong, but the Holy spirit and how the Holy spirit can actually apply the gospel to make me feel better about myself. I'm shame prone for a lot of reasons. Um, been to lots of counseling for it. Um, but, 
but uh, this one relationship I'm plugging into more. So I would say that one relationship that, that I that I have with God. Um, but then I would also throw in my computer. <laughs> that's where I am most of the time. Right, right. Those are all great answers. And I definitely uh, relate to the, especially the one about the relationship with God. Like that's something mm, I also good, can't good, live good. without. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. All right. So what is your experience with mental health? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I said I was I'm shame prone, which, uh, you know, that's a that's a mental health issue. It's just a natural one. It comes from my, you know, my midbrain is this critical inner voice that's telling me I'm not good enough or smart enough or thin enough or good enough husband, father, whatever it might be. And, and I start to believe it. And, and that that pattern in attachment theory, that inner working model affects everything. It affects my relationship. It affects how I see myself, my attitude, my relationship with God, my relationship to others. Um, but as a pastor, 25 years, oh my goodness. And this is stuff they didn't teach me, honestly, at seminary. You know, you deal with depression. We, deal with, we dealt with a lot of suicide ideation, um, uh, attempted murder. We dealt with uh, uh, demon possession. I've, I've done three exorcisms. Wow. Sarah. I didn't know. I, I had no idea. I thought it was. I thought it was a movie. You know. Right. Um, so mental health and and late, uh, in my last uh, pastorate, we actually had a number of people with brain injuries. Mm. Um. So you know, how do you deal with them, and how do you what what do you do when they trigger, and what do you do when, you know, uh, it, it's complicated. I think. Anybody and everybody in today's world in particular has to deal with mental health issues. I mean, it's all around us. Look at the shootings and the, the uh, you know, the violence. And mm-hmm. it, oh, my gosh, suicide ideation here in Colorado is is dramatic. It's, it's just big. Mm. So we're all dealing with it. Um, maybe not so well. Right, right. No, I agree. Like, there's definitely more work to be done, especially in even talking about it and breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely leaves much to be desired. But I think we can I think we can make it. I think we can do it. Let's do it. Okay, so I um I mentioned these in your bio, but you have like three training programs online. Yeah, Can you yeah. tell me about each of those training programs and how they help those struggling with mental health, faith, or relationships? Yeah, yeah let me let me. I'll start with the one we uh, we did the earliest. This was part of my my doctorate. It was on forgiving, how to forgive, and biblically how to forgive. Um, I was I was at a church plant, and God was was willing and happy to bring rape victims to our little church plant. Mm. It wasn't like we advertised, you know, and, uh, it it was, you know, look at me. I'm a, I'm a guy. Um, I didn't really know what to do. And so basically I, I counseled them with typical biblical counseling, which really, I mean, it made it worse. I had one lady, I was, I was doing a sermon series on the love of God from the song of songs. She stood up in the back of the auditorium, picked up a chair and threw it through the wall and stormed out. Wow. So my, um, the church leadership said, Bill, what you're doing is not working. Can you, uh, can you spend some time on that? And uh, <laughs> so I did. I spent the next 10 months really looking at forgiveness. In the, and, and I became convinced, and this was my thesis, that we had gotten it wrong. 
since about the 1980s. It's not wrong, evil wrong, but we're missing the the power of the gospel. Um, what what this young lady needed, and now I see, and it's very very biblical. And she hadn't gotten in typical Christian counseling, well-meaning Christian counseling, was justice. Mm. Uh, this person had raped her as a as an infant or a young an adolescent in in a foreign country. Never see him again. Good Christian was told just to give up your right to justice. Give up, mm. give up. You just got to choose to forgive. Well, neuroscientists will tell you we can't do that. Matter of fact, right. my brain is actually designed to not let me do that because if I just forgive you without justice, without an apology, without you changing. My brain is going to go, uh-uh, and it's going to shut down. It's going to, it's going to put up barriers and say, you're not going to get hurt again, and you're not going to let that person off. You need justice, which, by the way, is an attribute of God. In, in Exodus 34, he says, you know, I forgive thousands, I, I'm compassionate, but I don't leave the guilty unpunished. There is an aspect of justice that's, that's in our brain. It's not evil. And I don't mean, you know, dirty, hairy stuff. I mean real, objective justice for victims. So we created this uh, forgiving path. It was physical. It was a physical forgiveness intervention for a number of years. Then we put it online. And basically what we do is we, we talk about the biblical aspects of forgiveness, nine stations. But most of the stations are we're basically helping them get ready for a trial before God for the crime committed against them. Mm. And. We, you know, we do the due diligence, we do the, we help them understand what was done to them, what was taken from them, we help them mourn the loss, mm -hmm. and then we give them uh, two of the, two of the uh, stations or actual trials before God where they have voice, which many of them don't even have voice, right. and they're just so honored in front of God, they hear God uh, condemn the perpetrator, and then they have Jesus step up and, uh, you know, give them grace. A ridiculously powerful. Let me show you some of the, we do before and after surveys and um, 21%, just in the two and a half hours, reduction in the desire to avoid the person, which is pretty dramatic. Yeah. Uh, 38% increase in empathy towards the person. This is just gospel, right? There's this 20% decrease in desire for revenge. Wow. And, that, and we've had attempted murder victims, we've had rape victims, we've had, oh my gosh, we've had so many different types of people go through this. And uh, a 78% uh, experience of justice. So we actually, that's, that's the key to it, is we actually give people a sense of justice. So mental health, um, if, if, if a victim does not get justice, what their brain, what their, the critical inner voice tells their brain is you're not worth it. Mm. You don't have value. Because if you had value, somebody would stand up for you mm -hmm. and you would be a judge or somebody in authority and they would take, they would have your back. They would take your case because you're a person of value. Right. And so if we don't do that, every time we say, just choose to forgive, we're asking the person to devalue themselves. Mm. And so now we're getting into identity issues, depression issues, uh, all kind of things. It's just not good. It right. affects every relationship they have from that. The second one is the dance. Um, so many people went through the forgiving path and, and the, we got this request. Well, what about when I'm angry at myself, when I'm condemning myself? Shame, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what if I want to take myself to trial? I mean, well, okay. And, and so we actually did the dance. Um, in the dance, and it's fun. It's, it's only two hours, seven stations. It is, it, is, it is fun. A lot of dancing, lots of music. Uh, it came from 
fourth century theologians, Greek theologians, they were trying to figure out, this wasn't long after Jesus died, they were trying to figure out how to explain the Trinity, because, you know, I can't even explain the Trinity, so how are they, How do we explain the Trinity so we can talk about it? And they came up with a dance. I love it. It's dynamic, it's honoring, it's joyful, and the idea is, is this the Father, Son, and the Spirit, celestially, eternally, uh, co-honoring, in a dance. So think a Greek dance around. Mm. And then... And then, get this, salvation is the, the circle opens up, they reach out one of their hands, and they grab you, and they grab me, as I am. Uh, and put me, isn't that great? Yeah. Put me in a dance. And I'm in the dance, and I, I, look, I could tell you, I felt something. You know, I felt that. And I think we all have at least once, hopefully more. But here's the problem, is the world beats us up, and we stop hearing the music. Mm. So this was this is for Christians who feel uh, beat up by the world. They feel like they're not enough. They feel like they're alone. They feel like maybe they've they've ticked God off. Maybe God's disappointed in them. Has turned their back. Which, by the way, most Christians, when they're honest, think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so think shame, think depression, definitely think loneliness, uh, anxiety, and uh, here's the results we're seeing with this. We. Uh, relationship to self just in two hours going through it uh it goes up they feel better about themselves by 20 percent this is just because we're hooking we're being reminded of this relationship of what god's when he sees me through christ what he feels towards me and and you you know that changes you the uh relationship to others how i think others respond to me goes up uh 50 percent relationship to god how i feel like god thinks of me what he thinks of me goes up 40 percent and uh, then feeling vindicated goes up 30 percent so it's it's just a snapshot right you know long term we're not talking about long-term changes but we are talking about getting people in a new trajectory they hear the music again they hear the the gospel they remember at least in this one relationship somebody has my back i can count on them and i'm worthy of that love because of christ the last one is uh, for parents of teens and tweens who are going crazy right now because of, right, post-COVID, all the anxiety, social media, financial constraints, all of those things all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just struggling, Christian parents in particular. You know, how do I raise my child in, in all of this turmoil and all of this? So we have, a, it's it's uh, it's uh, attachment theory based and lots of neuroscience. I noticed that one of your previous podcasts, you had someone talk about EFT. Yes. Well, so that's attachment theory. And I'm a big fan of, of attachment theory and EFT, by the way. Um, so the idea is, and it's 15 tips. Uh, 15 minutes we send them a new video every day for 15 days and by the way it's no charge it's absolutely free for parents we just think this is this is critical it's critical for the next generation we got to get this out there so so absolutely no charge they just go to uh, uh good enough parent dot online and they it, it actually we're launching it in about three weeks so mm. um so we're excited about that and uh the, the beta the, the group that's gone through it we're, we're just thrilled with the results We're, we teach parents what's going on in their teen brains during adolescence we teach parents what's going on in their brain during adolescence so we get down kind of into the weeds but not we're not trying to make anybody scientists but we do talk about the amygdala and uh the prefrontal cortex and we talk about the all of those cycles to help explain teen behavior and then we give 15 tips 
And I'm telling you, some they've never heard before. They're they're biblically rich, and and this is important. It is shame free. We are not in any. By the way, any of these three, we never tell anybody they need to be doing something more or different because,、mm. you know, that triggers people, right? Particularly people with mental health issues, right? They they've tried, and that's one of the reasons. That, Yeah, that's why they check out. They trigger so so often, so quickly.、Right. So we just say, "Look, here's the here's the truth. See you next time. Here's the fun part. See you next. Here's something. Try it. If not, we'll still see you next time. Totally shame free." Wow, I love that. I really do. And you said like a lot of like interesting things, especially the one that I resonated with was the justice part. Because、uh, mm, oftentimes, oftentimes it's like. We always feel like if we've been offended, we always have to like be quick to forgive and quick to choose forgiveness. And it's like there's nothing wrong with forgiving the other person. We should, but that shouldn't be like our first like you know knee jerk reaction. You know, it's like、yep. justice is very important, and a lot of the times like we underestimate it or、That's、we it. push it to the side, and we don't think that the other person needs to be vindicated. Especially,、right. you know, the victim, and so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was really important. It's very powerful. I mean, you you're hooked onto something that in itself, just that in itself, it dramatically makes it easier to forgive. Right. I mean, dramatically,、um, and it's biblical, right? Because God doesn't. He never. He never forgave a single one of my sins or your sins until there was a trial, the cross. Right. He didn't. He did. He's never waved his hands and chosen to forgive, and yet that's what we tell、uh, victims that they need to do.、Mm. Look, we 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 try to we try to make them more magnanimous than God. Right. That's not going to work well, and it, like I said, it just diminishes them.、Um, we have people leaving the forgiving path laughing, <laughs> 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 and、uh, it, it's really. It's just a lot of fun. We've like、uh, you said in the introduction. We've had over a thousand Christians go through it of all stripes and colors and denominations and and、uh, yeah, it's remarkable the difference it's made. Yeah, honestly, that's really good. I'm glad that you are, you know, instituting these programs and getting more people、mm-hmm. to be aware that they are valued by God and that they are seen and that they are loved. You know. Mm-hmm. In attachment theory,、uh, they say that, that we ask two questions. We're all asking the two questions. This this is the thing we hammer for teens and tweens: is can I count on you? We're subconsciously asking that, and teens will push that. Right? They'll they'll do something, say something, just to see your reaction. Yeah. To see if you're going to walk off, because what their brain wants to know is what's the limits when where mom or dad will leave. Um, so, can I count on you? And then, am I worthy of your love?、Mm. Am I worthy of your love? Those are the two questions that we're always asking. Infants are subconsciously asking that. Well, because of Christ, we can answer with at least one relationship. Yes, I can count on God. There's nothing I can do to screw this up because of Jesus. And can I count on His love? That's one of the things that Jesus purchased for me: is all the love in the universe forever.、Um, mm. Yeah, it's this is this is the attachment theory on steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,、um, this season on Rough Edges, we're talking about mental health and relationships.、Mm-hmm. So,、yeah. what would you say are some fundamental characteristics of a good relationship? 
Yeah. Uh, the two things that I mentioned, the, the answer to the question, can I count on you and, and am I worthy of love or am I worthy of, of being loved in attachment theory? Those are the two things that define where you are in your uh, attachment quadrant, attachment theory quadrant. Um, secure person. This is this is somebody who feels good about relationships. They feel good about themselves. They feel like people love me, and 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 they feel like they can count on. They they haven't been burned in relationship. They're secure. Then the two insecures would be anxious and avoidant. And one way or the other, the anxious or avoidant is going to be pushing. So an anxious person is going to leverage relationships. Mm. They they don't really feel good about the uh, am I worthy. So what they do is they're going to uh, manipulate. They're going to try to get attention. They're going to try to be the center of attention. They And if they're not the center of attention, if they don't get all the jokes, if they're not noticed, they're going to trigger. And relationships then are not healthy because to one degree or another, and I'm not, I'm not judging them. This is normal. This is the brain stuff, right? It's not all their fault. Uh, but they're going to use relationships, and that's not good. The, the avoidance is feeling pretty good about themselves. Matter of fact, I'm so feeling good about myself, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. So they're going to avoid being, oh, and that's me, by the way. I'm an avoidant typically. I'm getting better. The gospel's helping. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I won't necessarily open up because that's hurt before. Honestly, mm-hmm. I've done that before. And, you know, nothing has hurt us more than relationships, right? Right. So in relationships, the, the, the thing that is important is how secure I am with those two questions. Do I really feel like I can count on people? And what's been my experience, even back down to being an infant and my, my, my caregivers, my guardians, my parents, were they attentive to me when I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried? That's where those inner working models are formed. Now, they can be reshaped during adolescence primarily, and that's that's the point of the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anytime, because of the gospel, because, again, this is the one one relationship. This is the, There's no other one that actually says, yeah, you can count on me. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit in me can make me feel that. That's Ephesians 3, make me feel the height and width and length and depth of love of Christ. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit can... What I ask, but Holy Spirit, give me access to power. This is Paul in Ephesians 3, so that I can begin to grasp, even grab hold of, that I can count on you, and that I'm actually worthy of this love. And that shuts shuts up my critical inner voice a little bit. And when I'm feeling that, when I'm feeling secure in, in that relationship, the moments I am, the minutes I am, I can actually love my wife better. Mm. I can actually receive her love better, because it's safe. Right. Um, so it's not so much skills I'm, I'm suggesting as it is uh, when I'm in that safe, powerfully loved place by God, when I'm attuning with God, you know, spiritually attuned with God, I'm actually a better person. Right. And happier, by the way. Um, so, so, much of, so much of depression, for instance, would be diminished a little or a lot if that person, me, whoever was in a place where I was really hooking up to God and feeling, looking in his eyes by faith and seeing what he thinks of me. Right. I'm not not taking away from the the actual brain issues involved, but it would help. That's the idea. And and when I do marriage uh, counseling or post-marriage counseling, we we talk about uh, first and foremost, 
your problem is has not been with your spouse. Uh, and these are Christians I'm talking to. If you're a Christian and your spouse is a Christian, if you say that right now you hate your spouse or you're frustrated with your spouse or you just you just want to, you know, kill them, uh, here's what I say. It's your problem's not so much with your spouse. I get that. With If everything you said your spouse did to you, I, I'd be angry too. I get it. Your problem is with God because for whatever reason, Jesus, he loves your spouse. Mm-hmm. He loves your spouse as they are. Mm-hmm. And Jesus died for that. So you, your biggest problem, and I wouldn't want to be you, brother and sister, you know, I kind of have fun with it, is you're out of sync with God. But mm-hmm. here's how you can begin to get in sync with God. So don't do the date night. You're just going to kill each other. Um, you know, you can have conversation, but honestly, right now, they're not going to be healthy. You need to spend a month yeah. getting back in sync with God so that you can actually experience his love for your spouse. Mm. And you'll know the difference, but most importantly, they will begin to notice the difference typically. Right. So it makes it, here's a, here's a, this is something we have, uh, we do in all of our things. It's called a simple uncluttered gospel mm-hmm. and habits are important. Right. And, and so we try to encourage people to, so bad habits, man, they're cooking, you know, I'm 65 years old. I've got 65-year-old habits. They're big and they're crusty and they're ugly, <laughs> but they're in control. So how do you defeat a habit? Well, we've learned you can't just shut it down. Well, some people can, but I don't, I don't even think so. What you do is you start another little habit and you keep blowing on it and blowing it until your brain has two choices now. And so... What we suggest is you preach this simple, uncluttered gospel to your midbrain, to that uh, unreached people group, your amygdala. And uh, here, here it is. It's real quick. Here it is. The simple, uncluttered gospel. Jesus follower, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the father loves the son and the son loves the father. He can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something so that God would like you better. Not so. So how do you experience it more now? Simple, good news. There is something you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. And we we encourage people to say that aloud to their brain. It's Mm. kind of weird and awkward. I get that, but you're creating a habit, uh, word for word, and say it for 30, 40 days. It's it's shocking, the difference. I could tell you story after story after story of people with horrible addictions mm-hmm. or mental health issues that feel hopeful after that habit kicks in. Mm. But the gospel is the power to believe. Right. Wow, that that was amazing. Like I I need to start doing that myself. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Believe me, I do it I do it a lot. Did I tell you I'm shame prone? <laughs> I need to say that. Yeah, that's really good. Um so do you think that there's a balance between walking in faith and managing mental illness? Oh, totally. Well, and and instead of saying faith, what I'm going to say, and, and you and I talked earlier, is 
I need to be experiencing the power of the gospel through the Holy Spirit in my inner being. And that's faith, right? Uh, but, but, but faith is kind of this word that we, we use so much as Christians. So what I actually need is the Holy Spirit in my inner being. And by the way, John Calvin, who's known for a lot of different theologies, this is one that I love of his and he's not known for. He says that the secret passion of the Holy Spirit, the secret workings, he says, is to make the Christian feel the love of God today. Mm. Isn't yeah. that great? I mean, I think, yeah. Where did that, what happened to that? I mean, that was, you know, 16th century. Where did that go? Because that's exactly right. Is So if I'm experiencing the power of God through the Holy Spirit of my inner being, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, I'm actually feeling loved. I'm beginning to access the height and width and length and depth of love of Christ for me and for other people. Mm. Well, that's it. Um, I am in desperate need of learning to depend upon God more. Um, this is one of my big things. We have to stop thinking discipleship is becoming more like Jesus. That's kind of the buzzword, the boilerplate. It really is becoming more dependent upon Jesus. Mm, yeah. Those are two different things. They And the second one ends up looking more like Jesus, but the big deal is depending upon Jesus more. And if I'm feeling loved, I'm loving you more. Right. If I'm feeling loved and whole, I'm not triggering as much. I'm not doing revenge as much. I'm not being critical of other people as much, as much. And it's noticeable. And again, heaven, this isn't heaven, so we're not talking about 100%. But if I could reduce my anger by 10%, people are going to notice. If I can love my teenager 10% more, oh my goodness, we're saving the world. If I can treat my neighbor, love my neighbor, have you met my neighbor? But if I could love them 15 minutes, 15% more than I do right now because of God, mm. yeah. our communities change, our relationships change, there's fewer, uh, there's less suicide ideation. By the way, there's less addiction because I don't need the dopamine from cocaine as much. Mm-hmm. It, it all sort of builds up, but we do step by step. So all of it, in, in my opinion, is tapping into the power of the gospel. And by that, I mean this living dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in my inner being, in your inner being. I, I don't know, do, do, do the circles you're in, do they talk much about that? Um, well, with discipleship, they really talk, focus more on like being like Jesus instead of yep. like the dependency part. So yep. it's interesting that you say that actually. What do you think? I think, I think that's like a more accurate depiction of like mm-hmm. what it truly means to be a Christ follower. It's like yep. not doing it in our own power, but it's doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know? Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Right. And and by the way, I mean, I'm writing books, a couple of books now on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is great. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, and this is this is a hodgepodge of people. These were people, he is not preaching to well-heeled Christians who just want to feel better, you know, about their Christian walk and have less guilt. And he's not. He's speaking to Audis. He's right. speaking to the unworthy people who would have been told God has already left them, they would not have been welcomed in religious circles, any mm. religious circles. Right. And he looks at them and says, heaven is yours. Right. That's the kind of God we serve. He's going after people who are hurting. He's going after the mentally ill. He's going after the people who've been beat up, uh, treated unjustly. He, he's, he's going after those people because that's his heart. Well, right. if I'm tapping into that heart, 
you know, I, look, I'll tell you, I think that would uh, diminish a lot of the polarization we're feeling in the United States right now. Right. I think it would diminish the anger and the injustices people are, you know, they're feeling it. I'm not judging them. I'm saying, I get it. What are you going to do with it? And, and, you know, this relationship can actually put that in a little bit of perspective. So I'm less angry. I'm less suicidal. I'm less interested in shooting up a school. I'm less interested in, you know, fill in the blank. Makes a big difference. We're, we're onto something here, but yeah, if we keep telling people they have to be like Jesus, by the way, I've defied any biblical scholar to tell me, show me a single verse that says we're supposed to be like Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And that's discipleship. It's not there. It is not there. Right. I understand the well-meaning nature of it. And by the way, I think we should. The problem is, have you met my brain? You know, my brain is tends to be a little self-focused. And I just say it, Jesus was anything but that. Um, so to be like him would take a, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to take heaven for me. I'm just saying. Right. Right. No, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. And you know, it's the thing that you said about, you know, just even 10% makes all the difference. Like sometimes we think like change and growth is just like this speedy, like process, yep. and we don't think about the little increments of change along the way, yeah. you know? I'm glad you said that. I totally agree with you. Yeah, so it's. I'm glad that you brought that up, because it's just like, progress, healing is not linear. It's like, it's not going all the way up. It's just like, it's a wave. It's a constant, like, flow, like, up and down, you know? It's not yep. like, you know, just a boost of yeah. just yeah. like you wake up one morning you're like i'm changed like that's not how right. it works you know it's not how it works yeah if you tell somebody with mental health issues who's struggling they don't even know why they're struggling it's their brain they're fighting against their brain right and you tell them you just need to work harder you just need to be kinder you just need to be more compassionate and they're going but i, I don't have that muscle group right and, and i have this dark hole that i'm in right. and the only tool i've got is a shovel I need a rescuer. I don't need a, I don't need new principles. I need a rescuer. Right. I agree. I definitely agree. So my final question tonight would be what advice or words of encouragement do you have for those struggling with mental health issues and relationships? Same. Uh, ask the, the simple and cluttered gospel, say it to yourself <laughs> twice a day for 30 days and ask, the essence of it is, if you're a Christian, ask God, this is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, ask God from his power, not yours, because, look, let's face it, we need more than we've got to, to, to fix our situation. Relationships, what, relationships are hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, so give God, give me power through the Holy Spirit and in my inner being. So ask, give me power so that I can begin to grasp the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ for me and for others. And if I do that regularly, I am going to feel better about myself. I'm going to feel better about my ability to make friends. I'm going to feel better about my relationships. I'm going to be a little less depressed. I'm going to be a little happier. I'm going to be a little less angry. Um, I mean, there's still some things to work on, right? The forgiving path. If there really was somebody who hurt me, you need justice, uh, so that's that's available too. And if you're if you've been shamed, 
yeah, you, you, you need to, you, you need to, to do something about the shame. But the key is I got to be back in that dance mm-hmm. and, and I'm out of the dance somehow and I'm looking around and things are dark. So don't try to do this on your own. Ask the Holy Spirit to make you feel the power of God uh, and the, the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ. Nice. That's that's great. Um, and you also have a special offer for my listeners. Yes. Yes. Any of your listeners can go to the two uh, websites, the, the Forgiving Path, forgivingpath.com and the dance, d-dance.org d-dance.org and when they registered and they put in the coupon rough edges your listeners should remember that one word rough edges they'll get ten dollars off it's only nineteen dollars to go through the thing and you can do both if you want and uh you get ten dollars off of either one or both and uh yeah can't wait to hear what you think and you know i can't if, if your listeners talk to you i can't wait to hear what your listeners think Well, thank you so much, Bill. It was so great having you on the podcast. And for all my listeners, like you've heard like the offer. So I suggest you go and check it out. And stay tuned for more empowering episodes on Rough Edges. Thank you for listening to Rough Edges. Feel free to follow this podcast on Instagram at rough.edges.podcast or visit my blog at sarahifox.com. If you have any questions or further suggestions on how to make this podcast grow, you can email at rough.edges.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and have a wonderful day.